0: Today on the Matt Walsh Show, the Democrats shoot down a bill that would would have protected infants born alive after abortion. So to be clear, the Democrat Party has now officially come out in favor of infanticide. That is what happened. We'll talk about that. Also, after two biological males just won a track and field championship in Connecticut, uh, this question arises and that is, why is this happening, considering the fact that almost everyone is opposed to this? Almost everyone thinks this is crazy to have men, to have men racing against, uh, against women, yet it continues to happen. Why are we allowing a small minority to impose its will on the majority? Uh, we'll talk about that as well today on The Matt Walsh Show. I was, uh, I was just reading an email from somebody calling me a climate denier. Uh, because yesterday I said on the show that I that I don't think the world is coming to an end anytime soon due to global warming. Uh, you know I don't think you need to go building an arc because the polar ice caps are going to melt. Um, and so that makes me a climate denier. Yes, I deny the climate. that's right. this is one of my one of my favorite phrases the left uses of all their euphemisms and their misleading and f- flatly dishonest, uh, labels and, and and terms that they use. This may be my favorite. When they call you a climate denier. Like, yes, I, I deny the climate, it's true. I, I deny that the climate exists. I don't believe in the climate. I don't think there is such a thing as a climate. Um, I think that we live in a giant artificial dome, much like the Truman Show, except this dome, according to my theory, was built by aliens, uh, uh, you know, uh, billions of years ago. And they're actually the aliens are on platforms in the sky, uh, what looks like the sky anyway. It's actually just painted blue. But they're up there on the clouds are actually these platforms, and the aliens are up there, and they're dumping they're dumping uh, buckets of water to make rain, and they're rolling bowling balls across wood floors to make thunder, um, and uh, and that's that's my theory. I, I deny the existence of the climate. Now, of course. Uh, For most people, though, when, when, when you call them a climate denier, what you really mean is they are apocalyptic changes in climate caused specifically by human activity deniers. And that's what most people are denying when they're denying the climate. And it may seem like semantics to quibble over this, but it's really not, because climate denier makes you sound insane, whereas anthropogenic, anthropogenic, that's the word, Uh, climate change denier sounds much more rational. And that's a little bit more difficult to say, I I admit. But um, there's a reason. When someone says climate denier, or even just climate change denier, nobody denies that either. Everyone knows that climates change. We all agree that climates change all the time. The issue is, why do they change? What causes the change? And to what degree Are these different uh, causes to blame, and where is it all leading, and is the world coming to an end soon? I mean, these are the questions that we're arguing about. No one's arguing about the existence of the climate, and no one is arguing even about whether or not climates change, okay? Um, And in fact, you know what? Nobody's even arguing about whether or not humans have some kind of effect. I mean, of course, we are part of the world. We have an effect. Farting cows have an effect, volcanoes have an effect, the ocean has an effect, the sun has a huge effect. All of these things have an effect. The question is, to what extent, to what degree do these things affect the climate? That's what the issue is over. All right, um, quite a lot of material to cover today. But before we do, I want to tell you about Hair Club. Um, it's important to have, to have confidence, of course, to feel, to feel comfortable with yourself. And sometimes one change it seems like a simple change. Maybe to some people seems even like a small change if you're not going through it, but it makes a huge difference. And that's what Hair Club is all about. Hair Club is the leader in total hair solutions, um, so you know you're in good hands. And if you're looking to revitalize your, your hair growth, um, uh, you know the hair that you already have, or or if you want to learn more about hair restoration um, or anything else related to this. Hair clubs, professionally trained stylists, experts, and consultants, they can get with you um, and you can consult with them and they will craft a personalized solution to ensure that you feel your best and you get the most out of your hair. It can be a difficult thing you know, for people to go through, losing their hair. It's not something people like to talk about, um, but I know guys who lost most or all their hair, you know, even, even when they were pretty young. And it can be a real blow to your confidence and, uh, and to your perception of yourself. But the point here is that there are steps you can take. So go to hairclub.com Walsh today for a free hair analysis and a free take-home hair kit. It's all valued at over $300, but that's for free. That's hairclub.com Walsh for a free hair analysis and free hair kit, hairclub.com Walsh. Experience your hair and your life at its best. Okay, let's turn to something um, utterly outrageous and uh, horrifying. There's a bill called, this is difficult. It's hard for me to even talk about these. I have to try to control myself when I talk about this sort of thing uh, because it makes me so angry and I have to watch what I say. Uh, A bill called the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act failed in the Senate last night. Um, maybe you heard about this. If you if you rely on the mainstream media for your news, you probably did not hear about that. We'll talk about that aspect of it in a minute. But Senate Democrats blocked the bill. It was a bill sponsored by Ben Sasse. Um, every single Democrat, except for three, Manchin, Casey, and Jones, those are the ones who voted f- for the bill, but all of the rest of the Democrats... Every single one, except for those three, voted against it. Now, what would this legislation have done? Just like it says, it would have required doctors to give medical treatment to infants that are born alive after a failed abortion. This is something that happens, especially with late-term abortions. You could have babies that survive it and are born alive. And then the question is, which should not even be a question, but what do you do about the child once he survives? Um, According to the exact language of this bill, it would prohibit a health—I'm reading now from the bill—prohibit a healthcare care practitioner from failing to exercise the proper degree of care in the case of a child who survives an abortion or attempted abortion. It goes on, if an abortion results in the live birth of an infant, the infant is a legal person for all purposes under the laws of the United States and entitled to all the protections of such laws. Any infant born alive after an abortion or within a hospital, clinic, or other facility— has the same claim to the protection of the law that would arise for any newborn, or for any person who comes to a hospital clinic or other facility for screening and treatment, or otherwise becomes a patient within its care. It also prescribes criminal penalties for anyone who intentionally performs or attempts to perform an overt act that kills a child born alive. Now, there is something called the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, which was uh, signed into law in, I think, 2002, that, by the way, was passed unanimously. Okay, so every Democrat in the Senate back in 2002 voted for the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. Um, and that, what that law did is it defines any child who's born, um, whether after an abortion or in any other s- scenario, as a human being. But it does not specifically prescribe what must be done for these children, Um, it doesn't specifically require doctors to give medical care to the child. It doesn't, um, it doesn't prescribe penalties for doctors who fail to deliver that treatment. And so that's what this, that's what this law was supposed to do. Kind of following on the heels of that one and saying, yeah, that's a human being, by the way, uh, it's a human being. And if it needs medical treatment, you you need to give medical treatment and you cannot kill this human being. Uh, you'd hope it wouldn't be necessary, right, to pass a law like this. You'd hope that you wouldn't need a law that actually specifically says, hey, don't leave babies to die. But in recent weeks, we've seen uh, that Democrats have come out in favor of infanticide. And we've seen them push the boundaries further and further and further on abortion, legalizing later and later abortions so that it did become necessary to add these protections. Except Senate Democrats voted it down. Every Senate Democrat running for president, just to be clear, every Senate Democrat running for president voted against this bill. Cory Booker, Sherrod Brown, Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, Kamala Harris, um, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, I might be forgetting a couple, all of them voted against the the bill. Which means, just to really emphasize this, uh, what we're talking about here is the Democrat Party has officially, unambiguously, without question, come out in favor of infanticide. They are saying, now this is not just some random, crazy, radical, infanticidal Democrat out there on the fringes. Okay, this is the mainstream of the party. The majority of the party is now saying that babies who are born out of the mother, living and breathing out in the world, that those babies should not be given legal protection and that it should be legal to kill them. That's what they're saying. Now, remember, Democrats spent the last few weeks denying, denying with great moral indignation um, the, the, the claim that they support infanticide. After, after Ralph Northam was, was interviewed and he very clearly advocated for infanticide, and uh, but all the Democrats said, no, that's not what we think. That's not what he said. How dare you? And when Republicans accused them and said, you guys support infanticide, Democrats said, that's ridiculous. No, we don't. And then what, Demo- or what Republicans said last night was, okay, well, so you don't support infanticide. Well, then uh, just, I'm, I'm sure you'll support this bill then that makes infanticide illegal. And Democrats said, um, about that. What does that tell us? Uh, it tells us that Democrats are pathological liars, uh, as well as a moral baby murder apologists. And listen, I know that we're supposed to reach across the aisle. You know, we're supposed to try and be bipartisan. We're supposed to see the best in the other side and look for common ground and blah, 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 blah. Um, but I'm just telling you how I feel in this moment. And I'm being brutally honest. This is how it seems to me that you cannot be a good person and remain affiliated in any capacity with the Democrat party. Um, If you see a vote like this and you still call yourself a Democrat, I don't care if you're just an average Joe Blow, Democrat voter or politician, whatever. After a vote like this, if you still remain affiliated with the Democrat Party, then you are a bad person. You are simply a bad person. And I am ashamed to share a country with you. And I wish that I didn't. And if I'm calling 40 million or 50 million Americans bad people, then so be it. Now, that said, I recognize that um, many average Americans who call themselves Democrats, may be extremely ignorant. Um, So I guess maybe ignorant or evil are are really the only options. If you're you're voting Democrat, if you're a Democrat, those are the only options. You're extremely, extraordinarily um, uh, clinically ignorant, or you're a bad person. There's not any, there is no third option. There's There's no option C here right? Well, the option C is, is both, maybe. There's no option D. And we know that, that um, the media is constantly running cover for Democrats, so that if you rely on the mass media for your news, you might not even know about this vote. A lot of mass media outlets are just ignoring it, saying nothing about it. Others are blatantly lying. Um, a quick look at the news. I just looked this up on Google just to see what the headlines are about this vote. And I'll just read a couple, a, a few headlines. Senate defeats anti-abortion bill as GOP tries to jam Dems. Anti-abortion measure dies in U.S. Senate. Democrats block Senate GOP anti-abortion effort. Senate vote on abortion legislation fails to advance measure. U.S. Democrats block born-alive anti-abortion bill. Okay, so you get the point. The media is calling this an anti-abortion measure, um, which is just simply a lie. It actually has nothing to do with abortion at all. It deals with infants that are born alive, already born infants. And, and liberals are the ones who, who are saying there's a distinct. Now, uh, yes, I believe that there is no difference between an infant born who's born and an infant who's not born yet. Uh, it's the same thing morally, physiologically, philosophically, all of that, right? But um, they're the ones who say that there's this huge distinction between the two. So by their own standards, this was not an anti-abortion bill. This was a bill that was dealing with born infants, with, 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 with human beings that even they, up until now, would call babies, not fetuses, babies. So these headlines, they're not just misleading. These headlines are blatant fabric- fabrications, total lies. These are headlines that are literally based on abortion industry talking points, okay? The abortion industry is, is, is writing their PR talking points and handing them out to the media, and the media is taking those talking points and making them into headlines. That's what's happening here. Uh, NARAL, which is an abortion lobbyist group uh, and a collection of despicable, disgusting scumbags, tweeted this after the vote. They said, breaking, the Senate has voted down Senator Sasse's extremist anti-science bill that attempted to inflict medically unnecessary restrictions on clinics, spread dangerous anti-choice lies, and threaten healthcare providers with jail time. Extremist, yes. It's extremist to refrain from murdering already born infants, right? Uh, but, but this is the line that the Democrat party and the media has taken. The abortion lobby gives them their talking points and they repeat them dutifully. It's just, these are just lies. Lies that are meant to protect the slaughter of children, born children. So the point is, if you're not informed, if you're lazy, um, it's easy to be duped by this and to not realize so there are probably average voting Democrats who don't realize how radically far left the party has gotten, but that's no excuse. You see, you see, we live in the information age. Um, you have no excuse to be ignorant. You have no excuse to not know about these things. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care what your situation is, unless you're in a coma. You have no excuse to not know. Um, what has become of the Democrat party all I mean just it doesn't take that much research so the thing is you know yes I I I acknowledge that um there are Democrat voters who are who are extremely ignorant and don't realize how evil the party is but that ignorance now that is a moral failing as well to be that ignorant, it's it's it's, it's got to be that you want to remain ignorant. It, I mean, we look. We've reached a point where if you're if you're a decent person, you, you cannot support this. I don't know how else to put it. The Democrat Party is endorsing in the killing of born children. That's where the line is drawn. I'm not saying you got to become a Republican. I'm not shilling for the Republican. But I, I don't care about that. I mean, be whatever you want to be. Do whatever you want to do. Take, but but you, you, you can't support this. The Democrat Party, this is what they're about. Killing babies. Infanticide. And so that's where the line is drawn. It's just, are you going to be a decent person or not? And if you're gonna be decent, you cannot possibly affiliate yourself. The Democrat party is an, is an evil institution with no morally redeeming aspects about it at all anymore. Um, speaking of being informed, uh, I want to uh, play for you an exchange between, um, and this, was all, this also came out yesterday as it happens, this is an exchange between fake Christian abortion, abortionist uh, Willie Parker. Well, he's he's a real abortionist and a fake Christian, just to be clear, and um, and Dr. Mike Adams. So they had, uh, interestingly enough, they had a debate at, at the University of North Carolina and, and Willie Parker, who's an abortionist, um, volunteered to, to publicly debate this. It's, it's very rare that you get a working abortionist who's gonna get up on stage and debate somebody about abortion. Um, you rarely see that. These these, people, these guys, they do not want to be in that situation of having to defend what they do um, against someone who's hostile to them. And we're going to find out why here. Uh, I think Willie Parker is regretting putting himself in this position. And so I want you, I'm going to play just one little clip from this exchange. I want you to watch this. So when you crush a human skull... It's not really gray matter. It's white brain matter that oozes out. What's your point? No, I'm asking you a question. Is, is the brain matter that oozes out when you crush a human skull white? What does it matter? You've it? described what I do. So what is your point? My point is that it intentionally kills an innocent human being. Would you concede the point? It inten- I started my, my, my first concession was to your first two syllogisms, okay. that abortion, uh, Kills a human being. It is the intentional disruption of a pregnancy. It kills a human being. How many innocent human beings have you intentionally killed in your life's work? I don't know. I don't You've measure lost my count. work. I don't. Uh, You've lost I don't, count. Uh, if it's a million, 20,000. 20, 20,000? What's the difference? What's the difference yes, what's between 20,000 and 30,000? Yes. Yes. No. 10,000 dead human beings. Okay. That's the difference. Okay, okay so you see. The abortionist admits that it is the killing of a human being. He says that crushing skulls is an accurate description of what he does. Remember, Doctor Doctor Adams says, "Okay, well, you're, you're crushing a, a skull, the brains ooze out." And and um, Willie Parker says, "I won't call him doctor." Willie Parker says, uh, well, "You're just you're describing what I do." So. You don't have the point is you don't have to search hard. You don't have to spend a lot of time to discover that even the people in the abortion industry admit, if you catch them at the right moment in the right mood, um, they will admit w- w- that this is what they do. This is killing. That they kill people. It is violence. It is death. It is bloody. It is gruesome. That is what they do. In the abortion industry itself. Um, they're not having debates about personhood, right? They know that they're killing people, persons. They know that. They're not, you know, those are debates for the rubes, for the pro-abortion rubes uh, who who are being manipulated. They're going to have those debates and make those kinds of arguments. The people in the abortion industry, they know they're not that stupid. They know better. All right. Um, but if, look, as I'm saying, if you can watch a video like that, what I just played for you, and be on Willie Parker's side, I mean, if you can watch that and come away from it and say, yeah, I'm on that guy's side, the guy who has lost track of the number of human beings he ki- he's killed and doesn't even think the body count matters, um, if you can be on his side, then I, again, I, how can you, how could I call you a decent person? I, I mean, the word, the phrase decent person would lose all meaning if I could apply it to someone who supports that. All right. A um, little bit more liberal madness to, to talk about here. Uh, uh, transgender sprinters, that is male sprinters, guys, dudes, fellas, uh, they, they finished first and second at the girls' indoor track championships in, uh, in Connecticut few days ago. Um, and this is, we, we see these headlines of course, all the time. Now these particular, at least one of these guys, I think both of them, but at least one of them was in the headlines last year for winning, uh, track, the girls track championships last year. It might've been outdoor the spring events last year. Uh, so this guy is, he's just dominating. He's just dominating the, uh, the female circuit up in Connecticut, um, racing all these, these girls who, uh, you know, I laugh at just the absurdity of it because what else can you do? But it's actually not funny because these girls are being—they're—they're they're having, uh, you know, th- these girls are working hard. Um, I ran track. You know, I ran against men when I was when I was in high school, and it's a—it's hard. I mean, to, running is hard, and to be a competitive runner is a hard thing. It's very challenging. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of exercise, eating right. I mean, you're running all the time. It's—it's it's a really difficult sport. Um, and these girls are working their butts off and, uh, and putting everything they have into it. And, but all for nothing because they can't compete against the guy. They, 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 they biologically physically can't. If you compare, you look at any state, right. And you, you compare, um, you look at the girls, uh, championships, in whatever, in any track event, whether it's the 200 meter or the 800 meter or the mile, whatever it is. And you could, you look at the boys versus the girls. Um, and assuming that they're actually, that they actually are all boys and all girls. And you compare the top times, um, for the boys to the girls. And it's just like you, a time that would get you first place in a girls event. You wouldn't even make it onto the track in the boys' event, in the boys' champion. You wouldn't even place. You wouldn't even get sixth place. That's how much of a gap there is. And this is not, a, this is not an insult. I'm not insulting uh, girls or anything. No, no, it's just it's, there, there are biological limitations. Men are simply built in a certain way where they're going to be faster and stronger. And so these girls have no chance and all of their hard work is being stolen. And this is, this is cheating is what it is. But here's the interesting thing. Look, I, I saw, I saw this story on Twitter, uh, saw whatever news outlet reported it. And this is, this is all anecdotal of course, but I, you know, I, I looked at the comments under the, under the headline and In fact, I looked at a few, I I, I went and checked a few headlines about this particular story, um, these transgenders winning against the girls. And I was looking at the the comments on Twitter and every single comment I saw was, was expressing some version of this is crazy, this is cheating, totally ridiculous. I feel bad for those girls. Every single comment, hundreds of comments. I couldn't find one single person and I know, again, that it's anecdotal, but I, I could not, in my brief check, I could not find one single person who was defending this and defending these guys and saying, yeah, I think this is right. Yeah, I, I think we should have guys racing against girls and, and taking their championships. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because we're told that this is a controversial issue. And for any other controversial issue, whether it's abortion or anything else, if I go on Twitter, I can easily find people on all sides of it expressing all the different views. But with something like this, it's very difficult to actually find a real human being uh, who will come out and say, yeah, I'm in favor of this. I think it's a good idea. When you do a quick survey of what everyone's saying about a topic like this, it seems like everybody is against it. Nobody thinks that this makes sense. And what does that tell you? It tells you that when it comes to this issue especially, the transgenderism, and especially when it comes to you know to boys invading girls sports and girls' locker rooms and girls' bathrooms, what you have is a tiny, tiny, tiny minority which has imposed its will on the majority. This is the, the tiniest minority of people. And I'm not speaking just about the, 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 tra- the transgenders themselves, who, who themselves are a tiny m- minority. But then you also have a tiny minority um, in the LGBT lobby who are pushing this. The kind of extremist LGBT activists, they're the ones, this is their agenda, this is what they want. And they are in a, uh, obviously, in a very small minority, yet they're getting their way. And there's no reason for it. There, there's no reason to allow this. If, if, the, uh, if, the, if, tra- if, if the folks up there in Connecticut were to pass a rule saying, you know what, we're done with this. If, you're, if, you're, if you are a biological male, you cannot compete against girls. If they were to pass that rule in Connecticut, 99%, it seems, of the country and of the people in Connecticut would be totally in favor of it. And they would say, that makes a lot of sense. There would only be that one crazy percent that says, no, I, this, this is, this is uh, bigoted. This is unfair to those boys who now aren't going to have the opportunity to race against girls. You would have that one loud but small percent, and there's no reason to listen to them. They don't really have any. They only have the power we give them. That's the thing. So it's kind of even more pathetic in a way on one hand, I'm glad that we don't live in a country yet where a majority of people are in favor of something like this. But on the other hand, it's really pitiful and sad when you think about it, that almost all of us disagree with it, yet we're just going along with it anyway. All right. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to, to some of your emails now, mattwalshow at gmail.com, mattwalshow at gmail.com. If you want to, uh, offer your opinions, questions, whatever it may be. And a bunch of interesting emails, so I wanna get to them before we run out of time. This is from Brandon, it says, Dear Matt, why does the Libertarian Party suck at everything? Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, Brandon, I think the the Libertarian Party has two problems, actually three. Um, The first is that everyone's high all the time, so I think that's getting in the way. Second is the perceived lack of cogency or focus. I have noticed, it, it, it's interesting when you think about it, that the Libertarian Party has not gained more um, attention and attracted more people. But I think it's uh, most people can't figure out exactly what the Libertarian Party is or what libertarianism is or what it stands for. And I think libertarians themselves don't know exactly. Especially when it comes to these really hot-button, important social issues, like, for instance, abortion. Now, libertarians should be the first ones getting up there and saying, this is wrong. Because libertarian is is, is supposed to be, uh, you know, the do no harm, right? The anti-aggression principle is supposed to stand for individual liberty. And when you have something that is an assault on human life, then that obviously is also an assault on liberty. So, and there are some pro-life libertarians, but there are also radically pro-choice libertarians. And If you don't have a coherent viewpoint on an issue as fundamental and important as that, then it's gonna be really hard for people, for you to attract people because people, everyone else, we don't know what you're all about. And the third thing is, uh, I think Libertarian Party needs more compelling figures to carry its banner. I mean, Gary Johnson, who is the Libertarian Party now? Gary Johnson? It's the Libertarian Party. You need to find someone who's young, exciting, interesting, kind of weird. That's what the Libertarian Party should be. Not Gary Johnson. Uh, This is from Gareth. says, hi, Matt, big fan of your show. I love your dry humor and down-to-earth and common-sense approach to religion and politics. I've noticed that it seems like Daily Wire is giving you more lately with a table to sit at and a fancy new microphone. Actually, the microphone's gone, uh, as you notice and yesterday you even got to have a sponsor is there any chance ben will let you in the studio to do a backstage with the other guys uh yeah i go to the st- i've been going to the studio every every day um for the last year and a half and it's been locked but in fact recently they let me in the lobby but they lock the doors to get actually back into the studio so i'm making up my- no actually the uh you see i what's actually the interference here is 3,000 miles. Where I live in, in uh, on the East Coast, and the Daily Wire is headquartered out there in Los Angeles. So uh, that's where the you know that's where the separation comes comes from. Although uh, I I will mention that I will soon be a part of uh, one of the backstage uh, shows. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but I have to fly all the way out there for that. You know, so that's the only thing. Um, this is from Mike. Says yesterday you said that you you approve of alcohol and tobacco use for relaxing when done responsibly and in moderation. The same rationale could be used to justify marijuana use. I'm curious what your position is on this, since some people prefer to smoke weed to relax instead of drinking whiskey. That's an interesting question, Mike. I don't I don't know the uh, the answer. I, I I don't know enough about it to answer. Um, I've always thought that there's a definite difference between alcohol and marijuana, or tobacco and marijuana, certainly in that alcohol, for one thing, is a much more, at least my impression, a much more social substance. And it seems that you can have one drink and be barely affected by it at all, uh, just feeling a little bit relaxed. But other than that, you're completely lucid and fine. Whereas marijuana, it seems, will have a much more profound effect much quicker. But whenever I've made that argument, I've been informed by people who smoke marijuana that, that I'm totally wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about. And, and maybe that's true. I don't smoke the stuff personally, so I suppose I'm just giving my general impression, which could be wrong. I will say, this is what I'll say, okay? I think a substance can be perfectly fine, perfectly moral, and even actively wholesome in a certain context if it is possible to consume it without being intoxicated by it, losing control of your reason and your senses, and if it is not physically dangerous, at least within moderation— If it's not immediately addictive, and if it has some positive effect, uh, such as, as I mentioned, facilitating healthy social interaction, relaxation, and so on, so whatever that applies to, I would say, in moderation, it would seem to me to be perfectly moral. Does that apply to marijuana? I I I have thought no, but I could be wrong. So I'm not sure. This is from Derek. Uh, Hi, Matt. I'm a huge fan of your. Show, I love the religious and political commentary, but must admit, my favorite part are your rants about the idiosyncrasies of marriage and the ever-elusive male understanding of the female psyche. My wife is a soap addict as well. The struggle is real. Yes, it is. Uh, I just wanted to offer an opinion about the Bill Maher clip from yesterday. I agree with everything you said, but what stuck out to me most was how thoroughly convinced he is that all of the feelings he mentioned are universally desirable. What sheer and utter arrogance to assume you know what other people desire. I was born and raised as a liberal in California. I have a career that keeps my family and I moving around the country quite a bit. I have lived in many major cities, most in very blue areas. When I retire, my wife and I plan to move to the country, buy a piece of land, own 12 dogs, and enjoy the tranquility of rural America until we die. My point being, I have experienced living in all sorts of geographic economic regions and can say with objective certainty that I desire the rural life. In this clip, Marr says there's no CSI Lubbock. It turns out that exorbitant amounts of murder don't take place in rural America. Interesting fact, Lubbock is where Buddy Holly was born. He can keep the the red carpet that all of those self-aggrandizing narcissists he is so fond of like to walk down. It seems he just can't conceive of people valuing church, family, and community more than a Tesla. They wear Target instead of Louis Vuitton, not because they're downtrodden, but because they know the true value of material items and couldn't give a rip about whose name is embroidered on the rear end. They'd probably be far happier spending the money they'd saved buying Target clothes on Budweiser or whatever other beer Bill finds beneath his standards. I dislike the two Americas perspective as well. There are good and not so good people from every walk of life. I dislike vast generalizations, but for Bill, I will make an exception. The difference between elitist celebrities like Bill Maher and Red Staters is that elitist celebrities like Bill look down on the rest of the country, making fun of it with unwarded hubris and misguided disdain. The Red Staters, while often in a similar state of disbelief of the chosen lifestyles of their fellow Americans, offer people like him prayers in return. Thanks for what you do. Keep up the good work. Very eloquently put, Derek. I wish that maybe you should just be doing the show because I think you had a lot more interesting things to say about that uh, clip than I did. And that is one thing that struck me as well. You know, when you're watching that clip, and especially the the red carpet line, where Bill Maher says, "We have red carpets." Okay, you think the rest of us want red carpets? You think that's what we care about? We have celebrities. It is. Bill really doesn't understand that most people don't care about that. I, I, I don't. I don't care to live in a place with, oh, there's a celebrity. What is a celebrity? A celebrity is just a person who a lot of people are aware of. That's all a celebrity is. It's not, so I don't need, I don't need to live in a place where there are a lot of people who a lot of other people are aware of. You know, it's just, why, who cares? Doesn't make them bad people, doesn't make them good people. It's just, it's a totally neutral thing. It could be that whatever you do for a living, if it happens to be in the public eye, a lot of people will be aware of you. Who cares? and I think, Derek, the point you bring up is, is is a good one, that Bill is so disconnected from the experience of many average people that he really doesn't understand, that, that, that we don't care about that. If we did, we could easily. Look, if any one of us wanted to move to California, we could. We live where we live as, as a choice, Right. Um, well, some of us. I mean, I, I, I do live on the, the East Coast, and, and uh, so I live in a more liberal area. And, I mean, you know, there are aspects of where you live that is uh, – but the point is, if it was really here, – here's what I mean. If it was really a priority, like if we, you know, if we listened to that rant from Bill Maher and we said, yes, that's what I want. Yeah, that's what I – Wolfgang Puck and red carpets, and I want to be around that. i got to be around that. Organic food, you know, um, if we really cared about that, and it was a huge priority in our life, then we could move and go and pursue that. But um, we just don't. So that's all. All right. Thanks for that for that email, Derek. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. Godspeed. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. The left keeps screaming Orange Man bad, but right now Orange Man is outwitting the left by being a little less the Donald and a little more President Trump. That's on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin.